Uh, turn with me tonight in your Bible, um, Luke 15, and we're going to read at the end of the chapter. And as you know, this past couple of weeks, we've been thinking about the story of the prodigal son. And uh, we're coming now to the, the end of that uh, story. And there's something I have never preached on, and I want to try and open it up and develop this evening in the will of God. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read together from verse 25. We're reading tonight about the prodigal's elder brother. It says in verse 25, Luke 15, if you found the place, follow with me. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he said, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gave, gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. When the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text tonight is taken from Luke chapter 15 and the verse 28. And it reads, And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And we're thinking tonight of the theme of the elder brother's rejection. Luke 15 is a chapter all about things that are lost and found. Luke chapter 15, verses 4 to 7, the Lord Jesus speaks about a lost sheep. When you think of a shepherd having a hundred sheep, and he's lost one. So he leaves the 99 and went out to look for the one sheep that was lost. And when he found it, he carried it home rejoicing. Luke 15, verses 8 through to 10, the Lord Jesus told a second story about a lost Silver. The woman had ten pieces of silver. She lost one piece. She was very annoyed. She was upset. She lit a candle. She swept her house. She made sure it was clean. And she sought diligently until she had found her lost coin. And then the rest of the chapter, Luke 15, is given over to the story of the son who was lost 
and found again, better known as the story of the prodigal son. And of course, many read that story and they read it from Luke 15, verses 11 through to 24. But I want you to notice that when the father said, for this my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry, that that's not the end of the story. You see, when I read the old, the rest of the story, I discover there's a story about the prodigal's elder brother. When you think of the whole story of the prodigal son, there's three characters. You've got the prodigal son who rebelled and went into the far country, and then he repented, he returned home, he was reconciled to his father, and then, of course, there was the rejoicing. Then you've also got a second character, the father who ran to meet his repentant son on the road. And we know, of course, what he said in verse 22 to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring in his hand and shoes in his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And then from verse 25 to the end, verse 32, you've got the story of the elder brother who refused to come in. He rejected the invite to come into the house. Now, when you read these three Bible stories known as parables, they were told by the Lord Jesus for a very good reason. You can ask why did the Lord Jesus tell the story about lost things and things that were found? And of course, the answer is given for us in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Notice what it says there. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. The Pharisees had a very bad reaction, just the same as the prodigal's elder brother. They murmured, complained, got upset, were angry and annoyed at Christ's treatment of sinners. They complained because we're told that he received sinners and eateth of them. In their eyes, this was a terrible thing for the Savior to do. How could he be a holy prophet sent from God? And how could he receive sinners at his table? How could he even eat with them? You see, these Pharisees were objecting to our Lord's behavior and treatment of these sinners, even though they were hell-deserving sinners. So in light of their complaint, in light of their objection, in light of their murmuring, he told these three stories about lost things and things that were found, the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. And, and, and he, he, he told them to show us that sinners are lost. And lost sinners need a saviour. Just as the lost sheep needed a shepherd and the lost silver that had fallen to the ground needed to be found and lifted and loved again. And of course, the father who, who, who ran looking for a lost son and longed to be reconciled to him. So the Lord Jesus, as the only saviour of sinners, longs and looks for lost souls to come to him in repentance and faith. Isn't that why the Lord Jesus came into the world? Isn't that why he came on a mission of mercy to seek and to save that which is lost? You see, he is the good shepherd looking for the lost sheep tonight. 
He, he is like this woman looking for the lost silver. He's the one looking for the lost prodigal son. Now, not only did the Lord Jesus tell these stories to show that he has come to seek and to save that which is lost, but he also told these stories to show these Pharisees that they have lost sight of the true value of a lost soul, that they have forgot to show love for lost things, that they have forgot to seek for lost things. So you think tonight of the Lord Jesus telling this story of a prodigal son, a son who rebelled against his father, who went into the far country, who lived a life of riotous living. And what was it designed to show? It was designed to teach the Pharisees all about the father's readiness to receive such a repentant prodigal when he returned. And the heart of the story is the father's love to forgive even his rebellious boy. The Lord Jesus, I believe, also wanted them to discern their own mindset, their reaction to his great plan of redemption and salvation. You see, when the young man came home in repentance and brokenness and sorry for breaking his father's heart and wasting his father's substance, what was the brother's response? Well, look at verse 28. Here's our text for tonight. The elder brother's rejection, and he was angry. And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He was angry rather than appreciation for his brother that was lost and is found was dead and is alive again. Just like the Pharisees who were angry and ashamed, annoyed that the Lord Jesus received sinners and ate with them. They should have been glad, but they weren't. They were gutted. And when the Lord Jesus took sinners up the street and made them into saints. Instead of being merry, they were mad. They were happy to criticize Christ and condemn him rather than congratulate him. And you see, this was the message that the Lord Jesus was getting across at the end of the parable. The prodigal represents the rebellious sinner, but the elder brother represents every self-righteous sinner who refuses to show love and true value for souls, and who also refuses to come into the Father's house, who also refuse every plea to receive the Father and to know his love. Now think of the elder brother's refusal and rejection. Why would he not go in? Listen to what the Bible says, and he was angry and would not go in. I want to suggest tonight his refusal was because he remained in the farm. Now think of the prodigal son tonight. He's in the far country. And all the while he's in the far country, where was the elder brother? He remained in the farm. Now how do we know that? Well, if you look with me at verse 25, it says, Now his elder brother was in the field. Let's pause there. The younger brothers in the far country, spending all in riotous living, harlots, drunkenness. In other words, this younger brother, as far as the elder brother was concerned, was a waster. He had turned his back on his good godly father. 
He couldn't wait till he got away from his father. In fact, he couldn't get away quick enough. He couldn't get far enough away from his father. He was out to have a good time. Remember, his mindset is give me. And he's blowing his inheritance, as the Bible says in riotous living. But the elder brother, where did he go? Well, he stayed at home. You see, he appears on the surface to be a good boy. But I asked a question tonight. Was I? You see... When the younger brother repents and returns home, we read that the elder brother was in the field. Now, now think of his place. You see, on the surface, it's as if the brother who had done everything wrong was a complete waster. But the other brother who had done everything right and had remained in the farm, well, he was wonderful. He, he was a worker. He continued to labor in the farm. He stayed at home in his place faithfully, dutifully, and he acted as a responsible son being obedient to the father. So you could really say, well, he was the better of the two sons. But was he? You see, just to stop there, I would have to tell you I wasn't telling you the whole story. It's easy to be deceived. In face value, we can think, well, this was a good son. Looking on the outside, now his elder son was in the field. But it doesn't tell us the whole story. You see, remember what the Lord Jesus said about the Pharisees. Turn over there to Matthew chapter 23. And look with me at verse 27. Remember, the Pharisees were religious they were outwardly religious. But he says this, Matthew 23, 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are likened unto whitened sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. See, these Pharisees, they walked the streets of Jerusalem. They had their long robes on. They came and went to the synagogue. They looked pious. They were very holy on the outside. They, they, they were demanding respect of their followers and everybody who knew them. They used to stand in the street corners and, and pray for half an hour. And everybody was thinking, aren't they brilliant? They're wonderful. I wish I was like him. The people were in awe. But the Lord Jesus painted a very difficult picture. They appear in the outward like whitened sepulchres, beautiful, but within, full of dead men's bones, full of uncleanness. You see, it wasn't this strong preaching. Outward appearance of piety and righteousness, but in the inside there was nothing but corruption, nothing but uncleanness. You see, their heart was not right with God. And that was the problem with the elder brother. His heart was not right with God. And there's many elder brothers in Northern Ireland tonight. They appear on the outside to be right. They're good. They're sincere. They have the right words. They do the right things. They go to church. They read their Bible. They offer prayer. They appear to be a child of God. But what's on the inside? You see, the elder brother was all right on the outside. 
He was manifesting he was a faithful, dutiful, responsible son. But on the inside, his heart was not right with God. On the inside, he had never come to the place of repentance. The younger brother, of course, yes, he rebelled. Yes, he went into the far country. Yes, there was riotous living. But he repented. He lamented his sinful life. He confessed his sin. He came back and said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Think of this young fellow repenting, being reconciled to the Father, being received home, the rejoicing and, and the merriment. And the elder brother, he needed to come to the same place, he needed to repent. He needed to be reconciled to his father, but he never saw his need. He was really at heart a rebel. Maybe you're here tonight, and you've never come to the place of repentance because you've never recognized your sinfulness. You've never faced up to your sin. And at this moment, you're far from God because your heart is not right, and you need to be reconciled. Think also of his place. We're going to dig a bit deeper now. We're going to reveal you a little bit more about the elder brother. He was not only in the field, but he was full of pride. He was very proud of the fact that he was out in the field working. I'm a worker, Dad. You see this younger son? He's a waster. Why are you spending time with him? Look at verse 29. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Three times, notice he used the word I. See, I believe these words come out of a, a proud heart. He's boasting of his work. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Do, do you see that tonight? He's a proud individual. He's claiming that he's been faithful and dutiful and responsible and obedient to his father. But you know there was something missing in his life. Do you know what it was? He had no real love for his father. There was not one hint of love in this lad's heart and mind for his dad. I believe he had no love either for his younger brother. There's no love expressed here. In fact, as we'll see a little later, he said to his dad, uh, but as soon as this thy son was come, he didn't say my brother. He says, as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, that was killed for him the fatted calf. Verse 30. You see, there's no love expressed. But he was full of pride for the labor of his hands. You see, the labor of his hands was all he had to present. The labor of his hands was all he talked about. But he had no real love for his father. No love for his younger brother who had repented, been reconciled to his father. Isn't that like many as well in Northern Ireland tonight? Aren't there many in Northern Ireland like the Pharisees? All they can talk about and think about is the works of their hands. They tell you, I do this and I do that. Didn't the Lord Jesus say in Mark 7 and 6, this people honoreth me with their lips. So outwardly they've got the right words, they're saying the right things, but their hearts are far from me. 
You see, they've no love for the Lord. And there's many in church that have no love for the Lord. There's many free Presbyterians who worship in their pews, have no real love for the Lord. Remember Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This young man had something missing in his life. He had no love for his father. He had no love for his family. Aren't there many tonight? And they're involved in church activity. And they do loads of religious things. But they're really in bondage to a works religion. In bondage to a works righteousness. I do this and I do that. And they do it. And they do it to the best of their ability. And they do it sincerely. And you know what? They're always there at their place. But they have no real genuine love for God. They have no real love for the true God of heaven and earth. They have no real love for Jesus Christ. And remember he said, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. And how many religious people there are in Northern Ireland tonight, and if you go and talk to them about their sin and about salvation, they, they recoil and they, they rebel against it. But yet they're faithful in their church. They attend on a Sunday. They, they do this and that. They're honest and upright. But, but at the heart, there's something missing. They have no love for Jesus Christ. And you know, if you have no love for him, you don't know him. Because you can't love someone that you don't know. This young man never saw his sin. So he never repented of his sin. And all he was doing was clinging to his works. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Remember what the Apostle Paul said writing to the church in Ephesus. He told them this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not none of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Isn't that tremendous? For by grace are you saved through faith, and not none of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This young man was like the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought they were saved by their religious works. And they were so proud of what they could do. And they boasted in it. And they were patting themselves in the back. It's a great job you've done. But they forgot that salvation is off the Lord. It's not what this lovely text says above the pulpit. It's all of God's grace. It's all of God. And our boast tonight is not in the works of our hands. It's not in any works righteousness that we could do. Our boast tonight has to be in Christ Jesus the Lord. Remember what we read in Galatians chapter 6 and we read there in verse 14 but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. How is the door to heaven opened? Is it opened by the works of our hands? Is it opened by our labor of a works righteousness? Well the answer is no. Do you know if you turn to Revelation chapter 7 tonight You'll read about a great multitude in heaven. A great multitude that no man could number. And you could ask them, well, how did you get in here? How did you get to heaven? Well, well, here's the answer. It says, these are they which come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, which means in light of this, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth in the throne shall dwell among them. 
How do these saints get into heaven? What's the key? Well, here's the key that opened the door. It's the application of the blood of the Lamb. These Pharisees were presenting a works religion. And they didn't know they were going to be refused and rejected. Think not only of his place and his pride, but you think of his poverty. Do you know, whenever this younger brother was in the far country, this younger brother who was dead, this younger brother who was lost and has now returned, it says at the end of verse 24, and they began to be merry. You you think of the great joy that was in that house. And yet what do we read in verse 25? Now look at it. It says, now his elder son was in the field. And verse 28, and he was angry. What does that mean? That means he was angry in his heart. That, That means he was really a joyless soul. He wouldn't share in this joy. He wouldn't share in the merriment. Why? Because he was not pleased with this younger brother that had returned home, having repented and been reconciled to his father. In other words, this boy was miserable. This boy was complaining and whining. What did he say to his father? He said to his father, And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. In other words, this young fellow had a poverty of soul that he didn't know anything about. There was no true happiness within. There was no inner real satisfaction. There was no real lasting joy. But the prodigal had, because he had been repentant. He had been reconciled to his father. He was received. He was rejoicing in the house. And young people, I say to you tonight, just to remember this, that this world who offers you happiness and satisfaction and joy, it has nothing to offer. There's no real joy or happiness outside of God's salvation. The Bible speaks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you receive that joy, which is the fruit of the Spirit, when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's only found in Christ. It can't be really explained. The Bible says the God of peace shall fill you with all joy and peace in believing. All joy. Real joy, inner joy. This young fella, he never experienced that. He knew nothing about it. And does not expose the lie of the devil. The devil would tell you tonight, there's no point in becoming a Christian. You'll never be happy. You'll never know joy again. You'll not be able to smile. But when you go to the pub and get drunk, experience drugs, enjoy the party scene, live without God, and you'll be really happy. Well, you're not, it's a lie. This young fella, he remained in the farm. He was in the right place. He's full of pride. But he had poverty of soul. He had no joy or true happiness. Very quickly, here's another reason why he refused and rejected to come in. He was really resentful of his family. Say, if so told you, this young boy had no love in his heart for his father or his younger brother. He had no real joy nor inner happiness. He was living really a miserable existence. Whenever he asked for the reason for the music and the merriment, what did we read? Verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in. Think of his consternation. Why would he not go in? You see, I believe he had no true heart for a lost soul. 
Remember whenever the Lord Jesus healed a leper, the Pharisees and scribes, well, they wanted to stone him. Why? Because they had no heart and love for the poor lost leper. They had no sympathy for the man's condition. They, 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 they couldn't understand. And this young fellow couldn't understand why the father and the servants could be so happy at, at this boy being returning home. Well, here's the answer. They had no heart of love for his soul. And how many tonight have no heart of love for souls? And they can't understand when a soul gets converted and God's people seem excited and happy and joyful. This young fella, he didn't appreciate the danger that his younger brother was in. He didn't appreciate the danger that all lost souls are in. You think of hearing the gospel preached. You think of being warned about hell and the eternal consequences of a sinful lifestyle. This young fellow knew nothing of um, the conviction of sin in the heart through the instrumentality of God's Spirit and the Word of God. Hence his consternation. And he was angry. Notice his complaint. He said to his father, And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. The younger brother's behavior to this young man was so terrible that he would not go into the house. It was the house of happiness, the house of joy, the house of reconciliation, the house where there was fellowship and food. But he would not go in. He, he stayed in the outside. Why? Because he was thinking, this young fellow doesn't deserve it. His behavior, riotous living. That was his complaint. I never got a kid to make merry with my friends. And you know tonight the door of grace is open to all sinners. John 3 and 6 and 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no ways cast out. Do you know, tonight there's a door of mercy that stands open. And and the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And you by faith must step through the door, because that door is Christ. And yet how many will not go in? Full of his boasting. I've never done anyone any harm. I do my best. I work hard. I'm honest and upright and good. But you know what it is? It's really a refuge of lies. And the Bible talks in Isaiah 28, 17 about a refuge of lies. You never gave me a kid to make merry with my friends. He doesn't mention the father. He has no love, as I've said, for his father. He's not involved in the outward sins that the younger brother was involved in, but he was still a sinner. Inwardly in his heart, he was full of pride. Spiritually, he was as lost, even when he was in the farm. No no understanding for the gospel. No no love for God and no love for Christ. He, He refused even to call his brother, my brother. He said to the father, thy son, as if he wasn't mine. See, this this young fella, he was resentful of his family. And very quickly, he was reminded of his favors. Notice this as we finish. It says in verse 28, Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Do you know the father loved him? The father came out and pleaded with him to go in. The father went out to bring him in. He's saying to the son, son, don't be bitter. 
Don't be red-faced. Don't have a clenched fist. He, he talked to this, this young fellow about the grace of his father. See, the father came out to him. Isn't that grace? He didn't have to. He chose to. The grace of God reaches out to you tonight. Christ is the door. I am the door by me. If any man lend her in, he shall be saved. He, he, here's the entreaty of the father. And then not only think about the grace of the Father, but, but, but think of the gladness of the Father. He says a second time, For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. The Father expressed this gladness to the Son. And then the goodness of his father. He said to this son, Son, thou art ever with me, and all I have is thine. It was meat, which means it was necessary that we should make merry and be glad. And then he gave the reason. Necessary to rejoice. He was reminded of his favors. The grace of his father. The gladness of his father. The goodness of his father to him. And yet he remained an arrogant, angry young man who refused to go in. It's not a picture of many sinners tonight. God and grace has come to them. They've heard the gospel. God has revealed his goodness to them and giving the gift of life and the gift of health and strength, the gift of breath and the gift of a godly father and mother and many other wonderful gifts and benefits to side. But, but because of anger or some other reason, that is all set to the one side. Despite all that God has given with every plea and every entreaty, there's still rejection with a red face and a clenched fist against every desire and plan that the Lord has. This young man, the elder brother, refused. He rejected to go in. Why? But because he remained in the farm. Place, but full of pride and poverty. He, of course, resented his family. No love for his father. No love for his younger brother. And how many are like that? And how many resent sinners testifying that they're saved by the grace of God from a life of drugs and drunkenness and, and every other lifestyle, whether it's paramilitaries or, or, or some other heinous crime. And, and they reject that because they have a resentful heart and they, they have no love or understanding of the true value of a lost soul. And yet, despite being reminded of God's goodness to them and God's favor, they still reject and still refuse to recognize their sin and repent. Is that a picture of you tonight? Are you like the elder brother? As we finish, which character best represents you? The son who rebelled? Are you like the father who ran because you have a heart of love for sinners? Or are you like the elder brother who refuse and reject because of an angry, hard, bitter heart, devoid of understanding? and devoid of grace. May the Lord take these few thoughts and apply them to your hearts this evening.